Being a better husband and father is looking at how you spend your time each day. Today, I want to talk to you about fulfilling your role as a husband and father and becoming a better man. We're going to talk about how easy it can be, not only as a husband, but also a father, to slip into these poor habits and not live out those roles intentionally. This episode, it is designed to get you on the right path with some practical tips for how you can better serve those you lead as the husband and the father. So let's get started. Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life. A life full of happiness and meaning and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. In positive psychology, one of the easiest, powerful, and useful ways to create happiness is with gratitude. The best way to do this is to bookend your day with three things that you are grateful for after either you wake up and then before you go to bed. I'm sure as a leader, you've heard that you should show your employees gratitude. Well, what about your wife? While I get the many excuses that enter our minds right now, it's not that difficult to say a few words, leave a note, or even send a text message while you're standing there waiting on your coffee to brew. It's always benefits you to remind her why she matters the most to you and the children. Try to do something unique and unexpected like doing something your wife does typically. Take her a cup of coffee in bed. Or get the kids ready for school that day. Even fold the laundry for her the night before. All it takes is a little bit of effort on your part and some thoughtfulness. In the practice of gratitude, it's just not enough to be thankful, but to understand why this great thing actually happened. When I first started gratitude journaling, It was very surface level, but then I learned to get more value out of this exercise. So what I want you to do is ask these four questions when you want to understand gratitude on a much deeper level. Number one, why did this good thing happen to me? What did this good thing mean to me? What can I do tomorrow to enable more of this good thing to happen? And number four, In what ways did I or others contribute to this good thing and who? You see, your gratitude journal will get even better. You don't need to create something separate. I use my planner. I jot these things down in the notes section of as a reminder throughout the day of what I am grateful for. Here is the thing. While it's nice to be grateful for your spouse and the mother of your children, It's generally all at the surface. It doesn't carry the same weight if you were to add the details from the questions above. You need to get specific and you need to stretch yourself. 
The activity enhances optimism, gratitude, and other positive emotions. If used daily, it can actually counteract negativity. And this can lead to better health, sleep, and calmness. It's been found that gratitude can lower depression and increase your overall satisfaction for life, as well as more optimal performance and better relationships. And that's what we're getting after here today, which is why we're discussing this topic. Just start with one compliment to your wife. And when you first wake up, and then incorporate an act of service. It only takes a couple minutes a day, and you can do this right before you even head out the door. So how full is her cup? How full is your cup, right? You can fill hers up too, not just with coffee, but gratitude. Mornings can be challenging for a lot of parents, even more so for working parents because there's a lot to get done in a short window of time. Men, if you aren't helping your wife with the routine, then it's time that you step up your game. For example, in my household, it can be frustrating if things aren't going smoothly. And then the day goes downhill from there. Samuel, who is my six-year-old, moves the slowest on the earth in the morning. When my wife and I are moving at a high pace, then Jacob needs constant attention at five months old. And then Kaylin at two, she's digging in the kitchen for something. And Andrew, our four-year-old, is like Dennis the Menace. You also need to get yourself together while you have a basketball squad you're responsible for. Even if you have just one or five, it makes no difference. Mornings can be challenging if it becomes a solo venture. Every kid has individuality. And when they wake up, it's more alive than ever. As they mature, it becomes more distinguished. It can turn into the perfect storm when struggles begin. And with a clock ticking in your head, doesn't make matters better. We have to make many adjustments. And going back to school, switching to homeschool, and then possibly going back to school in the fall, maybe even moving to a new city or school this year, there are so many reasons why routines and schedules get adjusted. Maybe they're going from grade school to middle school and middle school to high school. There are tons of adjustments kids are going through, and they will throw them off their routines. Maybe mom and dad have a new job. Maybe mom and dad are going back to the office for the first time. But it doesn't have to seem like you get into a fight within a heavyweight boxer each morning. You know what I'm saying? Here are some ideas to take with you as we begin to make some adjustments this season. And lend a loving hand to your children's mother. It starts the night before with some prep work. Laying out clothes, having things organized, and going to bed on time. So everyone gets up with plenty of rest. Give everyone time to have a peaceful moment together or two before you go off into separate directions. I found this is a great time to give encouragement, set the day's expectations, and rally the family. So as much as you can the night before, mornings are already stressful. So don't leave any stone unturned the night before. After dinner, Make sure things are picked up. 
cleaned up and put away. Get the lunches, the backpacks, the homework, the school projects, and anything else together. And if your wife does most of something, then maybe you need to inject yourself. So at least once a week, the kids can see that you are involved. You always need more time. That's no doubt. We never have enough time. So build in 10 to 15 minutes in your schedule for these obstacles because something's going to go wrong. If things are working in your favor, then you get time to share with your children or your spouse. This is time to give to them and not to your email or social media. Expectations are going to be where you make your money. Some children need assistance. Others can dress themselves, comb their hair, and lend a helping hand to their siblings. Don't just give them a list or a task and say, execute. Guide them into the routine by giving them one thing to accomplish on their own. And then as time goes on, after they master the next step, give them additional items to accomplish. Setting expectations for your older children is very important. So getting out the door is going to be the hardest part. Even if it has been a struggle or a challenge and your fuse is short, don't let it burn. Do what you have to do to leave on time. Do what you have to do to leave on time. But don't blow your top. It's just going to set everyone up for a rough day and start. Yelling at Johnny out the door will lead to other issues at school and in a few minutes once he arrives. And this is where the team comes to play. You can swoop down and take over or intervene when things get challenging for the other parent. How can you, as a leader and a husband, make your wife's mornings easier? I would love to hear what your wife would appreciate help with each morning. What has been working and not working? I don't have all the answers or a cookie cutter system, but I do know it's time to step up your game, man. So stop being the coach barking orders on the sidelines and get in the game and start leading by doing. Most people today say they work more than ever, even before the coronavirus pandemic. It becomes harder to measure the number of hours that we work when you're connected all the time to these tablets and smartphones. We are continually engaging with email content, calendar invites, virtual events. You become prairie dogs, popping up over here and there all day long. Here's some data about hours worked and that the generations before us fought hard to get a 40-hour work week for a reason. In 1890, manufacturing employees worked 100 hours per week. In 1817, Welsh manufacturer and labor rights activist Robert Owen coined the eight-hour workday. Eight hours of recreation and eight hours of sleep. Eight, eight, and eight. In 1926, Henry Ford issued the five-day work week for 40-hour weeks for his employees that became viral across the nation. In 1940, Congress passed the Fair Labor Standards Act and cut the work week to 40 hours. Factory workers still crank out 12 hours a day, six to seven days a week. 
and most people work an average of 50 hours a week today. In the tech and finance industry, they put in about 60 hours a week. Long hours present challenges to marriages and families, and they affect you. It's hard work to pull it all together without your partner. So we aren't designed or meant to work all these crazy hours for long periods of time. Working late every night is going to affect your marriage adversely, and you are meant to be together, not apart. But if your job has had you handcuffed behind your desk, there is something you can still do about it. I have made it a priority to check in with my wife once a day. It generally is around lunchtime, but I am always curious about how things are going at home. So if you are thinking about it, then make the call. Take a few minutes of your time and send her a text. Let her know, hey, I got a few minutes. I'm about to go in a meeting. How's everything going? It's not that hard. If you both are working and driven, it's easy to disconnect and be pulled away. So it is an excellent opportunity to meet in the middle. Now, most of the time, it's a text or a short phone call to see how the rest of the morning went after I left and to talk about what we have coming up in the afternoon or that evening. Sometimes opportunities presented themselves and we get to eat lunch together with the kids not in school or at office. It isn't something that I do every day, but sometimes I get away from the office and Sometimes the days are tight and stressful, and maybe I have a few minutes, and it's nice to connect with my wife and talk about what's on my mind. And I'm thankful that my wife supports me in this endeavor, and we'll pick up things and drive to where I work at and drop some lunch off and sit down and eat with me. And the little ones who aren't in school yet get to have a nice little lunch with their father. And if I'm not checking in on her, she actually checks in on me. And there is plenty of times when I lose track of my time and she sends me a friendly little message and nudges me out of the seat in the late afternoons that I should be coming home. It can be a challenge to connect with your spouse with a busy profession. We're all busy. But here is the thing. When you take the time to communicate with your spouse during the workday, you're letting her know that she is on your mind and that she is a priority over your work. What way can you meaningfully connect with your spouse? It could be a text message, a telephone call, or even a meetup. Also, if you are working from home during this time, it's a good idea to stop, check in with your spouse midday. Make time for your MVPs. And MVP stands for most important people. So what is the schedule like in your home? Does it ever seem like each person is going in all these different directions? Recently, I recorded an episode with my friend and, and author, Jed Jurchenko. He asked me to speak about fathers and, and leadership. We discussed how to get families moving towards each other rather than away. And I offer a program that helps men who are leaders, husbands, and fathers create a direction for their families to become united as one. Dinner time is really the best time for families to connect or reconnect and have discussions while enjoying a meal. Most people will trade the dinner table in for the television at dinner time. 
But there is something significant about a family that sits at a table and eats together. Many talk about it and have the desire to have this type of atmosphere, but very few execute. There isn't anything special about this idea, but it could be if you were up to the challenge and follow through. In fact, throughout history, we see notable moments that happen during a feast. Now, during my research, it suggested that when a family eats together, children are less likely to get involved with drugs and alcohol, or high, even have high levels of stress. And actually, a kid's performance in school begins to improve. And eating together isn't the only thing that helps families create a healthy environment, but it also demonstrates that time together is a priority and a value. Look, I get it. There's a television, there's smartphones, there's tablets, all very useful resources, and then we have these busy schedules. But you can't let these distractions create a divide among your family. Once they penetrate your family time, it becomes harder to remove them out of your life. Supper or dinner time, whichever you prefer, is a way to bring the community together to discuss family business. It would be best if you also allowed it to function beyond the physical table. My family sets boundaries around this time. I'm a big proponent of the shared family calendar, and we have the hour blocked off every single day. Moses might have well made it the 11th commandment in our home because you don't mess with supper or dinner time. If the kiddos start complaining, start making excuses, smile and thank them for their participation. Don't get into a debate or a contest and see who's bigger and who can yell louder and who can make the child go to the table. It's not about that because what's going to happen is you're just going to ruin the mood and the progress that you make. Address the issues later after dinner. Please don't ruin the mood for everyone else. And now let me tell you something. You have about 6,570 opportunities to eat dinner with your child before they leave the home and start their own families and rituals. And that starts from the day that they were born. Those opportunities won't last forever. And when they're gone, they're gone. And I hate to put it to you this way and put this kind of spin on it, but my grandfather lost his father when he was nine years old. Those opportunities that I just told you about, those 6,570, they got cut in half instantly. This is one of those few places and opportunities you will have the entire family together. Take this opportunity. Pour in your children. Discuss world events. Resolve issues. Reflect on the day and plan for the future. Your family is a committee. You are the president. Mom is the VP and the kids are the board of advisors. The table is your boardroom. How do you lead and engage your family? In this house, we divide and conquer. And now sometimes it is a little bit messy, but that's life, isn't it? We still execute. We still get it done. We aren't looking for perfection, just effectiveness. Activities and work schedules are always changing. Over the last six months, I get up with the kids. I get them to school when the country wasn't shut down. And my wife cooks breakfast for the rest of us. And we're still at home. I pick them up from school, run some errands, she cooks dinner, 
The last lap is when I help the kids in their baths. She cleans up the kitchen and we get ready for bed. One thing I wish I would do a better job of is bedtime stories. Because according to a Harvard and some, some science, kids develop better language skills when their father reads to them. Yes, when their father reads to them. Let's be honest, fathers and mothers interact differently. And it's not a slight against mothers. Both role models bring considerable benefits to kids' lives, which is why I'm a proponent of the two-parent household. Men love to rough house with their kids, and this helps them physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mom tends to be the nourisher and the lover, and that's just the way it is in this abode. Here's the thing. If you thought this episode was much more about the man, dad is a leader, and mom needs a break too. So when a husband and father owns his duties and responsibilities, he not only leads, but he also leads by example and takes care of his spouse when he fulfills his role. You become that example. The son should reflect in the future and the characteristics your daughter is looking for in a man. Mom's got an entire list of things that have to be dealt with. And every day, men are extracted from the home to provide for their families. Remember, this was a partnership from the very beginning, not one-sided. If you want to show the mother of your children some respect and honor, that requires you to be present and engaged. Recognize her sacrifices and put yours away. Leadership is about making sacrifices that may never be repaid. Which leads me to the final. Remember when you were young and just married. Bedtime was fun and exciting. Now hit fast forward five kiddos later and maybe some bad habits have crept into the night. Actually, it has a tremendous impact on you. Let me be a straight shooter here. Men don't like to admit their weaknesses. And this is one area that is a hard pill to swallow for you. You probably go to bed at different times. Are you up watching ESPN highlights, checking your social media, or work email one last time? Creating a bedtime routine for the kids will allow you to have an evening ritual with your spouse. Going to bed together is the most important thing that you can do. Truth be told, most couples lose their connection after having kids because the kiddos become the priority. After years of working with people on building habits and routines, this is the one most neglected, but has the best benefits. Morning routines and rituals tend to be pretty self-serving. Evening rituals should be about the couple. It is time to communicate, connect, and be intimate. You have a choice. You can either start doing the things that benefit your marriage, or you can continue to do the things that create division. Here are some simple tips. Number one, set a bedtime routine that works for the kids and you're not too old for one either. Number two, get rid of those devices. Leave the temptation at the door. Number three, have a conversation. Pick your topics wisely. No fighting with your spouse. Number four, create space to be affectionate and you can take it from here. I don't need to see what's behind that door. If you are going to be the leader of your home, 
you need to protect everyone's time and space, not just your own. You have to nourish and provide for your spouse as much as you do for the kids and everyone at work. If bad habits have crept in, admit them. Start working on them together. It's time to honor and respect the mother of your children. And that is spelled with time. That's today's message. Don't forget to give us a review and smash that subscribe button if that's what you do. I'm Kirby Eagles, and it's been a pleasure. I'll see you next time.